Welcome to the Welsh Music Prize Conversations, where each nominated band or artist from the 2020 shortlist will delve into a chat about their body of work. You can hear all 15 conversations through AM, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Croeso mawr i sgyrsia gwobr gerddoriaeth Gymreig, ble bydd pob un band ac artist sydd ar y rhestr fer 2020 yn cael sgwrs am ei gwaith. Mae modd gwrando'r bob un o'r sgyrsiau yma trwy AM, Spotify neu Apple Podcasts. So sit back and enjoy this chat between Sean Lee and Colorama about the nominated album Chaos Wonderland. Gobeithio newch chi fwynhau'r sgwrs yma rhwng Sean Lee a Colorama am ei album Chaos Wonderland. This podcast may contain strong language. Gall y podcast hwn gynnwys iaith gref. Uh, I mean, for me, Carwin is a master of songwriting and he can write in so many different styles and, you know, and I don't mean just musical styles, but I mean in, you know, the structures of how the lyrics go and, you know, narrative based or whatever, the actual song craft. I think he, he can write lots of different kinds of songs. Uh, which is a really rare skill, I think. Um, and, you know, he's also he's a great musician with a great ear and, and, uh, and he's so knowledgeable. So um, he's sort of like a real dream collaborator, you know, uh, to, to uh, make records with. Oh, thanks, Sean. Yeah, you, you, you can PayPal me, you know. <laughs> yeah, you what? big liar. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to start, Carmen? Um... I don't know. I'm a little bit shocked at what you just said. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've never, never heard you so nice. That, that was I, really sweet of you. Thank you. Well, maybe I'll just butter you up a bit more, and then and then you'll be like, you'll be, you won't know what to say. You'll be just, yeah, I'll just be slurring. I'll like, just oh, embarrass yeah. you. You'll be like, like yeah. <laughs> charm offensive. Pack. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I'm. Uh, I mean, obviously, this year's. You know, it's been quite funny for all of us, and um, I mean, I, I think uh, I'm glad that I am glad though that you know this year provided a space for this record to come out, and um, and also for us to work on the Rio 18 record finally and finish that. So I mean, I think for me, it, it's been one of the um, highlights of this year, you know, personally to be able to to work on this music with you and, and, um, you know, I, I mean, I, I was such an admirer of what you did before we ever worked together. And it's been a very slow, gradual process of, of how we, you know, musically sort of connected. And it was in very little, little steps and things. And, um, it's just been really organic and, and all that. And, um, yeah, you're just a really, uh, you know, you're one of my favorite mu- musicians, you know, so it's, uh, um, I'm glad, I'm glad that, uh, you know, to been able to make so much music with you now and, and to, to also be friends, you know. Oh, man. You're what are you going to do now? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I will. Um, you don't have to say the same thing about me. You can just say I'm a, a bit of a bastard and, I'll, I'll, and, I'll, and that's fine. I'll, I'll see your hand and I'll raise you. <laughs> Um, no, it's, it's it's very very kind of you. Um, it's a two it's a two way street. Obviously, that's why we're working together. Um, we I'll, I'll I'll wind the clock back and let people who are listening know how 
we kind of started working together before we get into the nuts and bolts of what we do together and how much we enjoy it. Um, we we met. I first saw you playing. I knew obviously I was a fan of your music. I first saw you playing with the Superimposers, I think. Um, yeah, sounds right. That was that. I'm trying to think what year that was, Sean. Was that like 2011, <sighs> 12? Uh, Something I, like that. Yeah, it could. You know, it could have been. It could have been earlier than that. You know, I think it was earlier than that. Oh, it could be our tw- <laughs> our tenth anniversary. Who knows? I think I think it could have been. Uh, uh, you know, I think it could have been before 2010. You know. Crikey. I got yeah. I, I I'm pretty sure it was actually. Okay, so that's when I saw you first, and we said hi, yeah, uh, and you were playing. I th- what were you playing? Anyway, it doesn't matter what instrument you're playing. You, you play them all beautifully. Um, I'm playing guitar, I think. Okay, but I, I've I've been wanting to work with you, and you've been on my. <laughs> I was going to say shit list, but you've been on my, on my wish list for <laughs> years to work with. Amazing. And every so often, I'd bump into people who would say, "Ah, you know." They, they they would have seen you at some point and said, yeah, you guys should work together. And I would always say like, yeah, I know. Uh, I just got to get around to it. And little Barry was quite instrumental too in uh, reminding me and keeping pestering me. Um, yeah, you guys should do something together. And then uh, the opportunity arose. I, I'd, I'd done a record with Sarah Cracknell from Saint Etienne and that had done all right. And then she thought about doing some more stuff. And so... I was asked um, where I, I would like to record it if you had a preference. And I thought, yes, I'd, I'd like to record it with Sean Lee. Um, so that was how we first started working together in earnest. And that was a joy, that whole process. And so then I was thinking about when we could, you know, I, what I could create <laughs> to, to make an excuse to work with Sean next. Um, and things then got really busy for me. So I think that was 20... Oh, God, I'm terrible with dates. Help me out, Sean. Was that 2017 or 16? Uh, yeah, working I, I'm not sure either, but I, yeah, it would have been... Yeah, it, it was definitely three, four years ago for sure, yeah. I mean, the last few years have been a been a crazy blur, haven't they? Uh, they yeah, really I, have. I think it, yeah, it, was, it probably was 2016, 2017. Yeah. Sounds right. And then that went well and then i think that saint etienne uh heard what sarah had been doing with myself and sean and they thought hang on a minute uh i think we'd like a piece of this because it's <laughs> it's really good and then i went off on tour um the pretenders called and i got really busy so the uh, saint etienne fell in love with what sean did and his way of working and so they went in and did the home counties album that so the sessions that we kind of started off with ended up being part of the home counties album that saint etienne did then i went off uh on on the road uh, for a while but every time i had a gap in the touring i was kind of keen to go into the studio with sean that's pretty much what i did on every <laughs> every holiday i had was well or, or just a time off the road, I'd go into the studio with Sean and we did the sessions for uh, Chaos Wonderland, I guess through 2018 in, in the gaps in my touring. That sounds That's about a- right. That sounds about right. I think the thing, the, 
the thing I love about you in the studio is you come in and you have these songs written and they're all in your head and you haven't demoed them, uh, which is, you know, which is kind of a rare thing, really, because um, people normally have some sort of demo. But you come in and it's all in your head. And uh, and so I'm listening to the, the, these things, you know, come to life in front of me and uh, you just play like one instrument and you, you play it from bar one all the way to the end of the song. And then you pick up another instrument, you play it all the way, you know, to the end of the song, you know. Uh, and it's really rare to, like, watch somebody be able to, like, play every part and it's in their head and they just execute it perfectly, you know what I mean? And you kind of, like, it materializes, you know, one overdub at a time. And then, you know, you get a sense of what it is. And then often at that point, you then question the original intention then once that's out of your head you kind of look at it and be like okay well maybe this isn't a piano song or maybe this isn't a guitar song you know and it, and it becomes something entirely different you know mutates yeah that it's interesting that, it it is i think with peas in a pod like that i mean you're able to do it even if you haven't got a song <laughs> you'll, <laughs> you'll pick an instrument up and you'll play it for three minutes and then you'll play all the other instruments for three minutes and then you'll put a song on top of it which i find fascinating because you know, I guess, I guess the grass is always green and it's always interesting to see somebody else's song craft and recording craft. Yeah, um, my, mine is definitely, uh, I, I don't know what mine is. I, I feel like yours is much more, uh, much more refined and uh, I feel like you're much more um, methodical and in, 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 uh, in organized, like in your mind. You're like, you know exactly what kind of what it sounds like where I'm sort of, uh, I'm just throwing like, you know, like paint against the canvas until I recognize the shape. And then once I know it, Oh, it's this. And then I, you know, then I, then I, then I hone in on that, but it's kind of just really, uh, uh intuitive kind of thing. It's it, sometimes maybe slightly abstract, you know, I'm making sense of it as I'm doing it, but I kind of, I'm going on intuition and, and, um, flying by the seat of the pants you know what i mean but i quite enjoy it. it's fun like that yeah well i love that and i i think it's i, I it's just it's just it's just adventurous and it's, it's wild jazz. it is jazz yeah, I, I like it very much i think because of the constraints of my own technical abilities and and setup um i tend to i mean i, I write a lot of my words when i'm traveling you know, on, on buses or trains or what, whatever, you know, motion seems to help with that. So that's on paper or in my head and writing of songs is usually just with one instrument. I, I think I'd maybe record differently if I had some, you know, a setup akin to yours. I think mm -hmm. listeners should know as well that Sean has one of the best studios I've ever been to, you know, on the planet just from from a purely uh taste um viewpoint sean has the right instruments and he has them all in an extremely convenient array everything's laid out where you can just reach it there's on two different floors obviously you can't, you can't reach downstairs you have to go downstairs and get <laughs> the, the percussion instruments and the organ i'm working and the on piano. that <laughs> you need a fireman's pole yeah, 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 getting down is no problem. Getting up would be a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> you need the bat pole, you know, when you stand on it and it goes up. Yeah, exactly. That'd be, that'd be good. If I could sort that out, I'd be winning. Oh, man. Imagine. 
They'll be yeah. battering your door down. But it's just a, a an amazing array of instruments that the kind of things that I you know the things that I'm thinking. Oh God, I love, love one of those, and I'm watching it on eBay and thinking getting it. Then I go to Sean's and he'd be like, Yeah, yeah, I got that. It's it's, it's in the corner. Um, it's gathering dust. I haven't played it for a while. Or yeah, I've got. I had that and I sold it because I got bored of it. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or I want that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So is, is the constant kind of conveyor belt of uh, discovery, wanting, getting, getting rid of. It so, is. It, yeah, that's it. Not sure. So Sean's a brilliant person to bounce off because he just knows about all of these things, whether they're electronic instruments, the current electronic instruments, or instruments that are niche from whatever period in popular music he'll know about the classical instrumentation and he'll know about ethnic instrumentation from asia or africa or south america or whatever so it's just great to have somebody else you can talk to who may well have heard of the daft thing that you just come across i, I think like we're both of. i think we're both a, a bit like sort of on this encyclopedic quest of of uh you know knowledge about you know, musicians and records and uh, all the nuts and bolts of of all that stuff. I mean, I think we're both total music nerds. And I know when when Carwin and I get together, there's a, always a lot of conversations about have you heard this or have you heard that? And it might be an old record or it might be a new record or, you know. And I think we both have quite vast knowledgeable you know um information about stuff but we you know i i know a lot of stuff that carwin doesn't know and carwin knows a lot of stuff i don't know as well and so there's this really good exchange of of knowledge i feel like when we when when we actually hang out you know that that we're 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 in teaching and enriching uh our our uh, our knowledge, you know, it's a very like reciprocal thing, and and um... I'll continue the sentence though, because what Sean's saying is that yeah, we'll be, be talking about music, but we'll be talking records and instruments and musicians, and then it'll go into books and it'll get into movies, tele programs, from now and from then and of the future, I'm sure. Um, so it's just a cross cultural. Uh, discussion and dialogue in, in amongst all the casual insults. Uh, it, <laughs> yeah. It, you know, it, it, and, oh man, and, and yeah, it's punishing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man. The, the whole thing. So it's it's just very stimulating. The, the whole process is great. You know, the, the recording obviously is very uh, stimulating for me and, and enriching, but also just the hanging out and talking shit in between stuff is is great and invaluable you know you you look forward to going in because you don't know what you'll come out with and you don't know what you'll learn and that's it doesn't get any better for me same same yeah okay well there you go then that's it yeah yeah <laughs> there you are pipe and smoke it. <laughs> uh oh yeah there's a record uh that we did and you know it's it's i was actually wondering about how to talk about it because a lot of water has gone under the bridge in the last couple of years since we recorded it. That's and true. I, you know, we did, we did the record and the track listing was slightly different and it was mastered 
and I was good to go. And then I got a call from my friend and now our friend in Brazil, Cassin. And he said, do you fancy coming over and doing some stuff? Because I'd met him in the summer of 2018. And so I went over to uh, Rio de Janeiro and quickly made a record over there. And that kind of overtook things. Uh, just the, again, the shock of the new is something and you kind of want to go with momentum and whatever the latest vibe, certainly I do anyway, whatever's new and newest. Um, and there's nothing newer than a total culture shock like that. So I ended off going on a total tangent with like Latin American music in Welsh. Although I'd already done a song with Sean for Chaos Wonderland that ended up on the Rio 18 album, which was totally Latin influenced. In fact, it was influenced by Cassine and Domenico Lancelotti and Moreno Veloso. That song was called Gwen. That was originally a Chaos Wonderland song. It was mastered as, as, as part of that album. It was very much part of that album. But then afterwards I, I nicked it and <laughs> took it off because it fitted with what I'd been doing with, with Cassine. And so in a roundabout way, I came back from Rio, finished a few bits and I wanted to mix it with Sean and see what his input would be on it. And then we did a couple of new songs. So I wrote a couple of songs after being in Brazil. So it, it that became quite a, a cyclical uh, process. And Chaos Wonderland kind of got left on the shelf while I went off with my new girlfriend sort of thing, you know, musically. And then I was supposed to go on tour this year, uh, like all year. So I tried to cram in as much as I possibly could at the end of last year, the beginning of this year, um, recording wise. I started a new Rio 18 album and did any other little bits that I could too. And then we all know what happened this year. So uh, I ended up with a load of stuff, kind of half recorded, half finished things on my plate and an album that I'd done and had kind of just left there because uh, events kind of took over. Then I had a lot of time. So I thought, well, I might as well start releasing this kind of backlog of stuff that I've created. And all of my priorities changed about what I was going to be doing as a musician this year. I was supposed to be working with other people, traveling, and that didn't transpire. So it's been a good excuse just to get things out, especially Chaos Wonderland, because I don't know that that even would have seen the light of day because things have just happened so rapidly in the last couple of years that other things may well have happened, you know? Yeah, I mean, like I, I said that earlier, I think that was one of the good things about you know, what happened or didn't happen this year that it, it allowed a space for this record to, to, you know, be released and stuff. So I, you know, cause it's a really good record, man. So I, I, it, for me, it's a really sad thing for when something gets left behind on the shelf, yeah. you know, and, uh, it's kind of like, it's like never leave a man behind. <laughs> 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 like you know. it. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, it's it's good that it's, it's good that it's, that, that, that it's come out and stuff and um and uh you know and now you know now we finished the, the Rio 18 record so you know all all is right in the world in, in terms of that anyway. Indeed, uh, yeah. It's kind of realigned uh 
our little musical universe. And it's funny because Chaos Wonderland, when we were doing it, it was a really pure experience making it. We just would go in, you know, good, it's good, honest, hard work and fun, making a record, making it quickly. It only took about a week, I think, to to record. And then, you know, we did a little bit of um, post-production as we do in with the mixing. But it was only about, uh, you know, I don't know, seven or eight days that we took, you know, to track it, I think. Yeah, Fast and Furious, man. It's the best one. Yeah. Um, so each each of the songs, like Sean said, I'd, I kind of knew what the songs were but and had a good idea about what the arrangement would be. But sometimes somebody else, that's the great beauty of working with somebody else. Uh, even if, Just because you can do everything yourself doesn't mean that you should. And having somebody whose opinions and whose technical ability uh, match your own, if not exceed your own, that's what you want. You want somebody that betters your experience. True. So um, I go in thinking that I know it all, and then I don't. And uh, having a song, I think I know what it's going to be, and then something will happen, you know. Um, Sean, and, and what's great with Sean is that he's also very, very fast. So there's no, you know, we don't go in and have a day of setting up drums. There's nothing more soul-destroying than that sort of thing. There's no mucking about with setting things up. Everything's just there, good to go. And you have an idea and you can record it. You know, no faffing about. So it's great. And Sean can nail a drum take in one go. And Sean's a machine. There's no click tracks and none of that. Just down. Yet there'll be interesting nuances and uh, possibilities that can come out of uh, a good take on, on something as soon as it, you put it in somebody else's hands and somebody else's imagination. So some songs are fairly similar to how I imagine them and some other ones are not. Um, but they're certainly much more rounded than they would have been if I'd done them myself. That's for sure. And they're much more expansive. I really love, I really love the part of the process when you have an idea in your head and you're like, oh, and you're pitching it in your own imagination as being, uh, you know, let's just say, for example, oh, this is kind of like a Stax kind of Southern soul tune meets, you know, Leonard Cohen or something, you know, <laughs> and you kind of have this idea that it's kind of like, you know, it, it's got, a certain kind of feel, a certain sort of atmosphere. And then you start, you know, recording it. And then one thing will come along. And maybe it's an accident or maybe it's just a, like a, a fanciful idea in the moment. And then all of a sudden, you're going straight down the road and all of a sudden you take a detour off some crazy back alley and it all changes. And it turns into something much more than you ever imagined it was going to be um and i i love that i think that's the you know i i think it's i don't like to think of things as being a mathematical you know two plus two equals four sort of thing so you kind of know you know, you know what i mean you know exactly it's almost like a uh uh you know like a straight line it's a you know i love that i love the i love the the chaos theory thing you know what i mean i like the thing that that you know, a lot of people, you know, I know we've both worked with loads of different people, but I think it's rare 
the kind of people that will change in the moment and, and veer off into another direction uh, because it feels good and, and yeah. go against the original idea is rare. Most people are like, oh, no, that's too this, or, that's too weird, or that's too bluesy, or that's, you know, and they never allow it to get kind of get more interesting. And I, I think that's, that's the part of the process that, that, I, that, that takes me back again and again making tunes because I want to I want to go into that place where it's a sort of uh, unravels into something completely more interesting than I could ever imagine it to be in the first place so that's I mean I, I don't know I think that's where the magic is yeah that's when sparks fly and I think um, it's a bit like when you're a kid with your mates and you're in, in a garage making tunes and it's all quite new to you that magic is is it's kind of a childlike awe at the thing that happens that nobody quite expected that is wonderful you know just live you feed off those surprises in those moments that's when inspiration comes into the room <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> it never knocks yeah you have to answer the door <laughs> you gotta let it in yeah you do so yeah that's that's just a, a lovely part of it and Sean's studio is perfectly um, set up for, for those possibilities because the instruments are all there and the real instruments are there. That's another thing I should add. I like playing actual instruments. It's all very well having a MIDI keyboard and all the plugins in the world. Um, I've been playing keyboards since I was, you know, thigh high to a dragonfly. So <laughs> yeah. I don't need to be playing more bloody keyboards to have, you know, a dulcimer or a celeste or a harpsichord. I don't need to be playing on a, on a MIDI keyboard. I, I like to play a dulcimer or a celeste if I can, or a cotto or a marimba or an organ or whatever the thing may be. Um, it's nice to have the real instrument and not many places in this day and age particularly have lots of real instruments a selection of guitars with any number of strings on them um synthesizers organs piano electric pianos um percussion instruments as whatever you can imagine i i did an interview a while ago and i i, I likened your place to um uh, Mr. Ben, the kids cartoon in, in the <laughs> right. 70s. So you, you go in and you don't know who you're going to be today, which which outfit you're going to wear. Uh, am I, you know, am I going to be a knight in shining armor and play a madrigal? Or am I going to be uh, an astronaut and play synthesizers? You know, you, you just don't know what the day presents. You might, I might go in with a little kind of folksy waltz and come out with something completely unexpected you know that's that's the beauty of it i think the thing about re real physical instruments is um you know you you know you don't play them you know they play you you know because they all they have they, they you know they, they have their physicalities and their quirks and sometimes they're not like properly you know, working, you know, and, and so you have to kind of deal with it. You, it's like a dance, but you know, if you've got like a sound, you know, you're playing on a MIDI keyboard then the keyboard just feels like a piece of plastic 
and the sound is sort of consistent and it's perfect and it sounds good, but it just doesn't have, you know, there's, 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 there's a level that it never has, you know, it's like, you know, 2d, you know, it's like a, it, it's just not real. It's just not real. You know, it's, it's the difference between real life and like, you know, digital life. And so I don't know. I mean, I think music is what you do with it, but obviously everything counts. And, and, um, I don't know if you're a musician, um, then playing a, a real instrument is kind of like what it's about. You know, it's kind of like, the, the, I don't even have a MIDI keyboard in the studio, which is quite funny because, um, I don't think that, you know, there's very few people that could say, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, 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 I don't have one. I've, I haven't had one for, I don't think I've ever, I've never had a MIDI keyboard actually. Uh, I, nothing, uh, seems more boring to me than that. You know, I don't know. It just doesn't, I don't know. It's a completely mad thing to, for people, you know, I, I, I did a, I did a session this year for a guy and, and who I had done a thing for and everything he does is like, he does a lot of soundtracks, but everything, he just has loads of like sound libraries and stuff. So he kind of has every sound, you know, you know, whatever, if it's timpanis or if it's log drums or, you know, harp or, you know, or Kodo drums, you, you know, it's like, he's got all these sounds, man, you know, um, and they sound real, you know, and it's all just a big MIDI keyboard. And then he doesn't, he doesn't, there's not one instrument in, in his studio, but he does these things that sound totally orchestral, you know, and they, and they sound real and they sound good, man, but everything's played on a, on a, on a MIDI keyboard. Yeah. And it's, it's like, like it's like it's a different world. Into, yeah, it's like walking into a doctor's surgery when you go into a place like that. You know, it's just so sterile, so boring. Because uh, most of these places, are, you know, they're all sound treated, and they got you know just a big screen and some keyboards and some you know flashy light plug-in. Uh, what do you call what do you call them? Outboard stuff. It's just really boring. Deeply, deeply boring. So having dusty, weird instruments that get a little bit broken, a bit warped, and a bit funky is what it's all about. And like you say, they play you. They kind of, they suggest something else when you pick them up. Yeah, you know? well, yeah, that's the thing, because like, you, you have to actually come up with an idea, like on, if you're playing a MIDI keyboard or something and all the sounds in there, then you kind of like, you're like telling the thing what to do. There's no suggesting it's not giving you anything back for you to respond to you know it's like it's um you know it's just weird i mean i yeah because an instrument real instrument will you pick something up and it has some it has mojo yeah. and it'll it'll suggest something you know and uh, it, it, it may have like reverse mojo it, may, it might be like uh you know making it really difficult for you and then but then you have to adjust and think well i have to like make what can i get out of this thing you know <laughs> maybe i can only get one note out of it but it's going to be the right note you know what i mean yeah yeah amen to that totally agree um so i don't know if you want us to talk about specific songs on the record uh i mean looking at the the, the track list of the thing I'm, I'm just trying to recollect how they came into being uh and was one of the, one of the later ones we did for the record. I think it, it, I like to start 
start my records with the last thing that I've recorded. Um, and I came in with, that was one of, one of the few tunes that I actually came in with something. And then we dismantled it. We took a few bits that I did like. Um, yeah, I remember, I remember. It was an instrumental. And then I'd, I'd finally written some words to it. And there's a few songs on Chaos Wonderland that are like that, where they, they'd existed musically for a long time and I just couldn't come up with words. And then for some reason I finally did. I think being so busy for a couple of years just you know, woke me up a little bit as far as writing lyrics went. So I finished a bunch of songs off um, and that's what a lot of Chaos Wonderland is about. But And I'd started off, I think, when I was doing lots of kind of keyboardy music back in 2016 maybe with my friend Mason here in Cardiff and he'd initially put some drums on it, which were brilliant. They so were. That's one of the things I remember about that song was there was that and there was um, there was another song. I can't remember which one it was, but he played drums on them and the drum tracks were great. And yeah. I was like, oh, man, you were like, yeah, you, you wanted me to redo them. And I was like, oh, man, really? <laughs> Do I have to? They were really great. I was like, oh, I, I have to like it. It's like I have to like do it as good as he did did it now. You know what I mean? That was the challenge. I, it was, yeah. And then you know, and I liked what he did, so it was kind of like I had to like sort of like uh, I don't know. It's that kind of thing that when the first time you hear something, you know, you hear it and you take it at face value. And if you think something's good, then then it's kind of that's how you hear it. And so yeah. then it becomes difficult to like, well, what's my way into this? You know what I mean? You don't have a blank slate anymore, and so. Something like that, you know, is a, you know can be a challenge. You know, um, I mean, I'm happy with what I did at the end, but it was a little—it was like, oh man! Oh, it was brilliant. Well, yeah. just to explain to listeners, um, Mason Neely, who I I initially recorded the first thing with back in 2016, we did it on the hoof. Again, we worked very fast, but it wasn't in a studio; it was in the house, and we just bunged a couple of mics up. So sonically, it wasn't—it it wasn't in keeping with the rest of what chaos wonderland was everything had been done it had a room sound and it had a drum sound so that's why i wanted to do it because mason's a like sean just said he's an incredible drummer but just the sound of it didn't fit so it was just yeah. a decision made on the the sonic aspect of it so we did it and then we put on a couple of other instruments again because sean has this magical room of crazy sounds we could stick on a, a vox guitar with the amazing repeater fuzz sound that kind of that starts the album off i think that sound again <laughs> where we're sitting when we're working it's just behind you you know you can just reach and there it is there's the vox guitar with all the inbuilt effects and that's that's an amazing thing as well just just for vibe so we got that one done dusty road was another song that i'd had for years and could never come up with words for and then for some reason i came up with a fugitive on the run sort of uh story that matched it that was a really old song of mine uh and then we listened to, i think we listened to kind of uh, to gene pitney and neil diamond and a few things along you played something with the wrecking uh, crew thing on that one i remember and it was like it was like really fast like uh like uh, the right hand was really fast. I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> I was like, "Ah oh, man, okay." 
<laughs> but we got away with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it done. Yeah. Um, yeah, Neil Diamond was quite uh, an influence on that one, as was Gene Pitney. And that's why I'm singing. I do those high vocal things. That's a little nod to, to old Gene. Um, so, yeah, we try, again tried to make it, make it um, a bit cinematic. And I think the Vox guitar makes an appearance on that as well in, in the guitar uh solo thing in the yeah middle. you actually you actually went and bought one didn't you i did yeah i was just so damn jealous <laughs> i need yeah. i needed that sound in my life and yeah it is a great it's a great it's it's a wonderful guitar i mean i i used it a lot for so many years and then in the last few years i am um, just suddenly wasn't using it you know i was using my 335 loads again which was always yeah. my main guitar, but the the Vox sort of became the main studio guitar. And then um, I started playing the 335 a lot. And then I remember you like the kind of the first person to play it for, for ages. And um, I mean, I've started using it again. I, I kind of post that. Um, and uh, I, yeah, it's just a, it's a, it has, I mean, the, all the fuzz and the repeaters, uh, you know, incredible sound in itself. But just the the tones of that guitar and the sound of it is quite special. It's a really, uh, it's really, you know, vintage sounding. You know, I mean, some old guitars don't sound like old guitars. They look like it. They might feel like it. But if you just listen to it, you know, you wouldn't know if it was a nineteen ninety five or nineteen sixty five. Well, that guitar sounds like it's from another world. I mean, it does sound, it has a special dusty sound to it that, uh, you know, especially not playing it for a while and coming back to it, I just was like, wow, man, this guitar is like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. do, do I need another guitar? <laughs> it's got a hell of a palette to it, yeah. you know, just what you can achieve with it. Just, you know, you can... If you're short of ideas, you can just play one note on it and put the repeater on it, and it takes you to another place. And even with no effects, you know, it's it like like Sean's saying, it's a it's a brilliant just guitar in its own right. The pickups are cool, and you can play really, you know, you can play clean rhythm, like funky rhythm parts. It's it's the guitar that uh, Chank Nolan played with. Well, it's, it's those pickups anyway that. Uh, Chank Nolan played with James Brown, so you can straight away get those really kind of razor sharp, super clean rhythm parts, which which I, which I love doing as well. It just it just takes you there. Every kind of switch, every notch on the guitar takes you to a very uh, rich kind of sonic place. I'm I'm, I'm a big fan of those. Um, I guess you call them gizmo guitars that, that Vox yeah, made in the late totally. 60s. You know, that was only made, that guitar was only made in 1967, you know. Uh, and I don't, I don't even know how many of those they made either. It probably wasn't loads of them, but, you know, um, I mean, it's a, it's a hell of a guitar. But I remember, I remember you doing a guitar track on, on um, I think it's on the song that has, I don't know which song it actually I don't remember which song it was but it was from the album and and you played that guitar and you did a whole take of sort of like Memphis sort of soul country sort of licks 
like all the kind of tasty double stoppy stuff and the the you know the thirds and all the all those mm. kind of nice and uh you just play played the whole song down loads of licks every lick was like was like was like perfectly executed and it was like and like i just remember watching you and i was like what man you know you just like you just had all the licks man and then and then after he recorded you like nah <laughs> <laughs> nah 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 it's not the right kind of thing <laughs> i was like whoa man you know <laughs> But even in those moments, it's, it's great because you get to dress up and look like a princess for like five minutes and then think, no, nah, I don't want to be a princess today. You know, I, I, I get to be Steve Cropper for a minute, just for a minute. And I'm kind of happy doing that. And it, it might not be necessarily the thing that, that um, best suits the song. I have to think about the song and not just my own uh, yeah, I enjoyment. Think I think that's true. I'm the same because... Sometimes you're like, you, you know, I think you have to, if you have an idea, you, you know, if it feels good, then you need to do the idea. You yeah. need to like see it through. But then I think then you have to like, there are times when you're like, man, you think, well, is this right for the, like you said, the song is the king. So you might say this is cool and I like it, but it doesn't like benefit. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not like it's, um, you know, it asks questions that need to be answered. And it, you know, sometimes you'd be like, well, you have to be able to have that kind of be ruthless and editing yourself, you know, and, and be like, okay, well, you know, and somebody might think, oh, that's really wicked. But you'd be like, yeah, it's cool. But you know what I mean? It doesn't really make the song better. And so, and then you have to be like, you know, well, whatever, I'll just, you know, it goes in the bin, you know, not yeah. because it's not good. And not because it's not cool, but it's just like, you know, what I mean? it's just in the grand scheme of things, you know, the song sounds better with that not being in there. And so you have to be ruthless sometimes. Um, and a lot of people aren't, you know, you know, they like, they're like, you know, square, you know, square pegged around hole, you know, and then, yeah. you know what I mean? They got to, I have to make this work because it's like, you know, I did it or it's cool. And, and even though, you know, I mean, I think the more you do, the more songs you write and record and all that kind of stuff, you know, hopefully the ideas is you get better at, you know, organizing your ideas and editing them and, and just about, you know, it's about the finished thing. It's about what makes something, you know, what makes it sound really good, you know, musically and the arrangement and the song and all that kind of stuff. And that's, that's that, I guess it's having really sort of focused, perspective and that's definitely something that that you have which which makes one of the things that makes working with you easy because you kind of know what you like and what you don't like and i can just sit back and let you you know do that you know and then once yeah. you've done that then i can just whatever i can dot i's and cross t's and or if you're not sure about something then i can be like well what about this kind of thing and so it's for me it's like uh, it's i get to sit back and watch you work which is really enjoyable for me as a, a as a musician, and then and then um, whatever I could just make it whatever it needs. That's what I do, but I don't have to like, you know. I, there's no polishing turds, you know what I mean. I don't have to like make what you do sound good. It sounds good. I just have to make it sound, you know, as good as it can sound, or as good as it needs to sound. And it, so it's um, I don't know. It's easy. It's it's easy for me, but. Um, but it's also very satisfying. So, I mean, it's a lucky, 
it's a lucky to, position to be in when you work with somebody where you don't have to carry somebody, you know, or, you know, or that person raises your game and keeps you on your toes. And, and uh, it's really, really good. I mean, that's the, I feel really lucky to now to be able to, to be working with a lot of the people, yourself included. I feel like I'm kind of working with people that are just on a really high level that, that I really respect that, um, and, and it's just really natural and, um, you know, it's just really great. Cause I mean, it, it can so easily not be that. <laughs> so You're it's, absolutely it's a rare right. space. It's a rare yeah, space. It is. Yeah. And also the speed at which you work enables you, if, if you're fast, then, you know, you, you could do something in three minutes and make a decision. You know, if you've spent two days on it that, and you know, somebody's had to you know, put it all together in a computer because you're not very good, then you're going to, you're going to cling to that part no matter what it is. But you're able to be more ruthless about things when you know that you can do it again and you can do, you can do another one. You could do it in a different key. You could do it hanging upside down. It doesn't matter. Um, so it is about what colors the picture the best. I think um, if you look at, you look at like, you know, great songs and, Especially if you look at like stuff from yesteryear, if you look at the great songs and the great records and the great bands and, you know, where stuff was played live and it was, you know, um, and it wasn't perfect, you know, musically or sonically, but the actual vibe and the sound, you know, the, the vibe and the, the way that it all works together is, is, is perfect in its own you know, respects, you know, and the song, you know, the great, a lot of those great songs, you know, they weren't labored over, man. They were just like, you know, you know, people go, yeah, their biggest songs were the ones that they, you know, they wrote it in 15 minutes on the back of a, you know, matchbooks or, or a napkin or something, you know, so it's kind of like it, all the clues are there. It's kind of like, well, actually, you know, working quick and intuitively and letting the magic flow and let people do what they do well. That's actually in putting the right people together. That's that's the art, really. And I think somewhere along, you know, the way, you know, when things change because they always do, the, the pursuit of perfection is always there anyway. But you know, people would just go to any length to try to get perfection, you know, and at at, at you know, with this, you know, with other things suffering, you know, with the vibe suffering and things becoming too sterile and you know i want the perfect snare sound i want the perfect blah 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 you know what i mean and then you're you're gaining technical perfection but you're losing you're vibe. losing like vibe vibe yeah and it's yeah. kind of like most people don't most people don't do vibe man it's kind of like the vibey musicians man there's not there's not a lot of them you know uh and especially people that, that are vibey but consistent then that's even less. You can get people that are vibey, but they're it's hit and miss. You know what I mean? It's like, you know what I mean? Hot and cold. Like sometimes they don't have it, and it's kind of like you know. I feel like the longer the longer I do this, that the the circle of these people becomes smaller. You know, and yeah. and you're and you're you know very included in that. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, and I feel like you know we all we we either know each other and have worked with each other or we know of each other and we will work together 
<laughs> especially as the years go on, the, the chances become greater. Yep. You know what I mean? We, we, we're all in each other's orbits eventually. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, I guess it's what connects us in, in the, in the grand scheme of the thing. And, and the world's a big place, but you know, I think it, it's, you know, it's kind of small. It's kind of small. There's, there's these small circles, isn't there? Yeah, and, certainly are. You know, it's, it's, it's lovely, man. I mean, I'm, uh, I mean, I never worked with people here for so many years, you know, it's a, it's more of a recent thing. I lived here for, you know, going on 30 years and I was very self-contained and I would work with people from America and people from other places, but you know, it's only been in the last kind of 10 years really where I've started to kind of, um, work with, you know, people such as yourself and Barry and, and, you know, little Barry, you know, and, and, and uh, to be able to work with like the, the really special people that are here, you know, and, um, you know, that's, I mean, it's really great, man. It's really, it's really great to feel like I'm becoming, you know, part of the scene over here. Cause I always felt just like I lived here, but I was outside of it and it wasn't by design, you know, but it's just the way it was, you know? Yeah. It's just funny how things come and go. Musicians come and go. People get busy. You know, you got a gig working with somebody and it'll take you away for four or five years or what have you and then somebody just comes back they're on the market they want to make their own stuff or whatever it's it's just it is interesting how the 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 groovy population is you know when people are busy doing one thing or another or when people are looking out for somebody else to play with and you've worked with so many interesting musicians man i've been so lucky sean you know like you have it's just so and you learn so much and you just it's just so random sometimes when you get a phone call or an email or whatever, or, it, or it's the, the, the classic six degrees of separation thing that somebody, you know, who met somebody back then and had a conversation and all of a sudden you get a phone call and you're on a plane somewhere, you know, it's, it's daft how random it can be sometimes. But I've been so lucky meeting different people from different countries, cultures, musics, and being able to have a go with all of them and you know really enjoying it and it just enriches your life experience obviously but your, your skill set as well if you're prepared to be open enough to learn from whatever folks have to offer it's funny but, i always I always felt like when, when when i came here that it was this sort of um there was like a, a you know i've always been in london you know and there's, there's, there's this, there was always this kind of like cool factor and fashion and snobbery. And it was, there was this thing, it was almost like it was post sort of punk and, you know, and I, I think very much going into to dance music and electronic music carrying on in, in, in this regard that it had become like un, uncool here and, and, in England to, to in, in Britain, you know, to be like a good musician. And so I almost felt like there were, there were guys that were actually quite good, but they would sort of hide it. You know what I mean? Because, yeah. because it, you know what I mean? It's like, they're like, like <laughs> undercover, you know, because you know, it wasn't cool to be a muso. You know what I mean? I, like, I guess coming from America, I kind of thought, was like, well, what's that about? You know, I didn't really get it. And, 
And I and I would think, you know, well, what happened, you know, because because there were a lot of great musicians, you know, um, you know, you know, that were, you know, Welsh and Scottish and, and Irish and, and English musicians. You know, they were great musicians in the 60s and the 70s. And I mean, it was certainly the tradition of great musicianship and world class musicianship and, you know, in, in all those regards. And then, you know, I came over in the mid 90s and at the height of sort of Britpop and trip hop and things like that, which quickly went into like drum and bass and house music and, you know, and, you know, garage and all these kind of things where actually being a good musician was like, like really uncool you know and i was just <laughs> wow i almost felt like i was i don't know how you felt in those times but i almost felt like you know you were kind of um being a musician you were sort of like um biding your time for like for musician for music to kind of come back to musicians again rather than producers and djs and bands that were really snobby you know you know what I mean? That wanted to kind of be cool and think that they were edgy because they weren't, you know, you know what I mean? They weren't too proficient, you know, that still that kind of punk aesthetic. And it was a weird kind of thing. I felt like it was music was like a undercover, you know, I don't know how you felt like in those times, but I was really glad when I was really glad when all that kind of stuff ended and there, it wasn't really anything clear to take its place and it was kind of felt like all of a sudden I wasn't playing like a having to play like a machine on somebody's record or play like I couldn't play or you know what I mean yeah it, well, it was it's was a weird it was a weird thing did you find that over here I was I was very lucky because the kind of work I, I I was always kind of used to being fairly broke so I just took the jobs that I liked and not the stuff that could have paid me more but wouldn't have been unpleasant either on a personal level or musical level so during that time like since the early noughties i was actually re realizing the other day that i've been working on and off with the north mississippi all-stars for 20 years now so I, I think i've worked at them or with the james hunter six those are groups that i toured with a fair amount before i met edwin collins and then I worked with Edwin Collins quite a lot. Obviously, he was sick for a few years, but I've toured a lot with Edwin over the years. And these are musicians that, I mean, they're kind of different, um, <laughs> different feathers of the same chicken. But yeah, totally. Yeah, it's part of it, the the lineage, you know, the whole thing. Yeah, it is. But these are these are guys that are all incredible musicians. I mean, Edwin is is fascinating because he comes out of uh a sort of, of uh, a punk or post-punk ethos but at the same time he's so um learned about either books or music and musics so you know he likes the velvets he likes chic he, he likes i don't know eddie floyd or whatever it doesn't really matter he just he likes all this stuff and he can do it and he, and he can do it in a way that's really witty and smart and sophisticated because he's very erudite so someone like that and then you got the all-stars coming out of mississippi with an incredible lineage behind them and being so open you know to to 
learning stuff themselves and to share what they know. So I've just been kind of in my own little world all the way through. So kind That's of looking, the best way. That's the best yeah, way. <laughs> and I still am. Only the kind of, I think the music industry has just collapsed under the weight of its own nonsense and its poor sort of short-term economics. Um, so it doesn't matter anymore. It's all to play for. Just just make the music that you want to make and put it out there and maybe somebody will like it, maybe they won't, but you can enjoy it. If, if, you, if you're more concerned about how people will perceive what you do or will perceive how you look, then you're going to be quite miserable, I think. Um, I'm, I'm just lucky to be fairly thick-skinned um, and able to kind of weather any storm if I haven't got any work for a while and just do my own thing. It doesn't matter. I, I like doing the things that I like doing. So I've, I've been lucky. I can, I can kind of look out the corner of my eyes and see what's going on, you know, in, in the top 10. But I, I don't really have anything to do with it at all. Every so often I'll listen to pop records and I'll, I'll admire the good ones because there are good ones still. And there'll be good aspects to all the types of music that you mentioned. It's when they become big, sort of fashionable, marketable thing that you get too much of something and it, you know, it's very hard to sift through it to get the good bits. But no, I've been pretty lucky. Even when the things that we've been doing haven't been particularly fashionable, we can still do them. We can still get away with doing them, thank God. <laughs> so I, I, I always think... Going. I always kind of think, you know, that it, it, not that I'm doing it on purpose, you know, I mean, maybe I am doing it on purpose sometimes, but I, I, I often think, you know, about doing something that, you know, like nobody would make a record like this now. You know what I mean? And yeah. I am attracted to the idea of that, you know, it has to be something that I want to do that I feel like I've, it will be fun and interesting and, and um, and that something it'll be you know that I'll feel like I'll be really into, um, but I like do like the idea of like going well, you know nobody's going to make an aerobics record right now or you know eighties or you know and I just think perfect you know I'll, I'll be I'll be out on my own little thing and it's kind of like and I always feel like that's a great place. I mean it's a doubled edged sword of course, but I like the idea of like you know just kind of doing whatever you want to do you know no matter if it's fashionable or not. Exactly, I think that's a strong idea. It's of course it's the strongest idea. You do you do what you love because you love it, and whatever aspect or element of that you fancy doing, give it a go. You know, you might be a football player, but you might like <laughs> playing golf or riding a horse. Try them. You know, it doesn't it doesn't matter. So within a professional context, yeah, you kind of have to watch your back and make sure that you don't starve, your family doesn't starve, whatever. But at the same time, there's plenty of great artists who actually have starved and the families have starved and the music stands or the art stands after they're gone. So you have to make the decision whether you are going to give absolutely everything to what you do and decide whether you're gonna do that with any sort of commercial intent or not sometimes you know if, if you're very very lucky you do exactly what you please and other people will come along with you and think that you're great and support it 
I think it's about I think it's about body of work, isn't it? Like, um, and doing it, doing doing what you want to do the way you want to do it. And I think we're both the same in that regard. And I think the other thing that's similar about us is that you know some you know sometimes sometimes the stuff that pays for us to do things that way is the fact that that we can work with other people and and uh and be a side man or be uh you know behind the scenes and not be the artist but also be an artist but not be an artist and be able to to go between those two worlds is is a really important um What's well, an important like economical su survival, you know, tool, but it's also um, something that um, keeps you learning and keeps things interesting and really, I think, really helps. It's been in integral for me, Sean. Uh, I, I didn't start out as an artist in my own right. I was playing with other people always and, and, and backing folks up. And if it wasn't for the people that I was playing with being supportive when I was trying to do my own things. Um, I doubt I ever would have. Um, you know, I was I was trying, but it's uh, one's confidence is a fragile thing. When, when you know, when you're starting out, it's all very well being a side man playing at the back or at the side or to the right or to the left, but actually being at the front and saying something or singing something that you care about to be rejected or to be poo-pooed by folks, yeah, is not, yeah. it's not very nice. You know, it's it's very unpleasant, and it can completely reduce your self worth if you have any at all in the first place. So, working with other people for me really enriched because I could learn from them. I could learn from their mistakes, and I could also talk to them. And often they would be talking about their mistakes because they would be hurting after doing something that you know had, had wounded them on a stage or whatever. Learning about a consumer. Learning about performance from a consummate performer is a is a great great thing. So I came around that way because I had no confidence. I didn't think I was a singer at all. I only came around to it because I'd gone through a particular lull where I had no work, and I thought maybe I should write songs here. Otherwise, I won't get to be a musician in twenty years, or you know, for the rest of my days, or whatever the thinking I had at the time was. But it was being with other people that were really really good and really supportive that kind of helped me to get the confidence to go uh, actually I've got a couple of songs would you mind listening to them and tell me what you think thanks for listening to this episode of Welsh Music Prize Conversations with the 2020 shortlisted bands and artists you can stream all 15 conversations through AM, Spotify or Apple Podcasts if you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it or let us know through our social media channels at Welsh Music Prize. Diolch yn fawr am rando i sgyrsiau gwobr gerddoriaeth Gymreig gyda'r bands ac artistiaid o'r rhestr fer 2020. Mae modd grando i bob un sgwrs trwy am, Spotify neu Apple Podcasts. Os ydych chi wedi mwynhau'r podcast yma, gnewch yn siŵr ei rannu neu adl ni o bod trwy'n sianeli cyfryngau cymdeithasol at Welsh Music Prize.